Thanks. Morning, everyone. Everyone doing all right? I hope you're back into the swing of September. It's sort of hit us full on, hasn't it? Um, but it, uh, as I said last week, it's good to be back in routine. And uh, it's good to be here together this morning. Um, uh, and we're going to share a little bit of stuff in response to what we shared last week. And then we're really going to kick into this sort of new series, um, teaching series, Following Jesus and All of Life from next Sunday on. Um, so t- this morning I'm going to share a little bit uh, for about um, 25 minutes or so. And then um, uh, I know you're all like, you know, you're all like, no, you're not. You're not allowed to lie on church channels, stop it. Um, <laughs> and then, but then Chris, Chris is going to share a little bit after that, and then we're going to take communion together. And so this morning, um, a little bit of teaching, a lot, a lot of kind of practical stuff to try and bring you up to speed. It's, it's a slight kind of more family kind of business morning, if you like. It's, but so if you're a visitor with us, we hope you feel really part of this, and we'd love you um, to consider becoming more and more part of the family. Um, but we just want to draw everybody into the heart as a leadership of where we are and where, where we're going. Is that okay? So what we, what we usually do is when we share vision, maybe at the start of each term, we usually, the Sunday after that, we talk what we usually call something like All In Sunday, which is how can we respond to that vision? How can we all play a part? And stuff like that. And so last week, um, so that's what we're going to get to this morning. Um, but before that, just some, some stuff that I think is important for us just going forward. Um, when, when we share, you know, I think it's... Is that working now? Oh, I don't have it on, sorry. That's my fault. Yeah. So when we share like our vision statement, which hopefully you can roll off your tongue by now to help rewrite the story of the city, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. And when we talked about that, we said that first and foremost, one of our long-term aims, the first one, what we um, last week, I, I was trying just to stir our imaginations a little bit to believe and prepare ourselves for a fresh move of God's spirit um, in, in the land and around the nation. And we see that as the number one aim, building and planting churches and discipleship stuff and citywide stuff is all really, really important, but it's all pretty dry without a moving of the Spirit of God and how we have felt like the Lord over the last number of weeks and months and years really has been preparing us and so that's something I'm going to really go after tonight as Chris said because I feel like the Lord wants to release if this is the way to put it um, a bit of a plug for later and over the next few weeks I think the Lord wants to release fresh imagination for what awakening and revival looks like because I'm not sure we're even sure what we mean when we talk about that term so I'm going to try and teach that um, and give a hopefully thoughtful hopefully Holy Spirit inspired kind of talk about where I think we're at in the process of moving towards that because I don't think revival is actually our current reality. Right? Um, but I do think that we are being prepared for something. Right? That's tonight, though. Okay? Um, but in, in the context of that, all of this sits. And so <clears throat> I do think a renewing work of God has begun in our hearts and lives, and God has been prepar- is preparing us. Um, and in the midst of what I said last week, it was in the midst of like a culture that's getting increasingly noisy, in the midst of a culture where there's increasing uncertainty in the midst of a culture where there's more and more moral decline, theological decline, in the midst of a culture where the church is increasingly, unfortunately in many cases, increasingly powerless, we feel the Spirit calling us to focus on Jesus. The, 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 the vision is Jesus. And so over the last week and on in the next week, we're encouraging everyone 
to take communion every day. We've written a prayer. Hopefully you got that last week. If you didn't, let us know. And I've just found out really enriching doing it with the family. And um, each, each day, just remembering Jesus, remembering what he's done, remembering that all of our source and all of the power flows from the cross. And, um, and each day, I just, it just gets a little bit more special, a little bit deeper as, as we do that. And we feel the Lord just calling us for that telescopic kind of vision to focus on Jesus. And what I also said was one of the things that we wanted to focus on in, in light of the preparation that we feel God is doing in our hearts for the bigger thing, one of the things that was really important to us was to develop our discipleship culture because if new wine is coming, then new wineskins are really, really needed. And so we're going to be teaching through the six practices of our ongoing journey into Christ-likeness and how we're focusing on trying to help people get into smaller, intentional conversations that move us towards becoming more and more like Jesus, which is our original destiny and glory. And so we'll get practical more and more as the morning goes on. But, um, but let me try and lay out to you first and foremost what I think, more, more importantly, what we think it means to really belong to the family of God and what it means to belong to this church. Because I think that's really important in terms of the wineskin that we're trying to create for the spirit to really move in. And, and so I just want to take the next 20 minutes or so to teach on what we really mean when we talk about membership or what we really mean when we talk about being all in to a local church or what we really mean when we talk about belonging to a local church because we feel like that kind of term has got um, twisted and warped by how culture thinks of membership by how sometimes the, ter- the church has badly taught about membership and how leadership has sometimes become controlling and therefore got and given us a warped understanding of that. And yet we believe the Bible is something to say on belonging to local church. We believe the New Testament has a lot to say on what we might allude to as membership. And it's caused us to think a lot about this over the last number of days and weeks because what we have tried to resist doing, and we feel it's the Holy Spirit, is just to resist the temptation to think of success as simply building big churches with lots of numbers in them. That, that might be a byproduct of the move of the Spirit of God. It will be, in fact, or it should be. But if we get those the wrong way around, then we start building empires and monuments and stop building movements. Understand? There's a big, there's a big difference between building monuments under ourselves with our own names in them and making us feel better about ourselves than there is being surrendered to the movement of the Spirit of God. And so it's been really important uh, to us to think this through really, really well. Um, We had a process, because we're quite young here in Emmanuel Portadown, you might not have been familiar with this. And about a year ago, maybe, (laughs) um, we did like a prayer that we invited people to pray. I was kind of committing to what God was doing here. Um, In in Lurgan, we had a process called Believing and Belonging, where people who, if they wanted to join church, we took them through our vision, values, and all of those kind of things. And there was a lot of that that was really good, but there was certain flaws to it, I think, that we've come to realize um, that came up about unintentionally. And so what what I want to communicate today is two things that are really, really important to us. I want to get two main things across about what it means to belong to the local church. And the first one is this. When it comes to belonging to the local church, there is radical grace. When it comes to belonging, and I want to say this loud and clear, everyone and anyone is welcome. Right? Everyone and anyone is welcome. 
Seems like an obvious thing to say when you're talking about the church. But it's a kind of indictment, isn't it? The fact that a lot of people often don't feel that when they come to church. And I suppose what we want to say first and foremost, in order to feel a sense of belonging, we need to create a culture where anyone is welcome. We want to make it really, really, really easy for people to feel like they belong. There shouldn't be any hoops to jump through. There shouldn't be any special handshakes. There shouldn't be any kind of weird kind of Christian language that you develop. You shouldn't have to talk a certain way, dress a certain way. You just need to feel like you belong, right? And so we really want to establish, first and foremost, a culture of radical, radical grace. And that will upset us all at times. Because it's, it's really interesting how we believe this stuff when it's preached. But when we're faced with it, sometimes it rubs us up the wrong way a little bit and starts to get at the little bit of religion that's in us all. But we want to really create that. Uh, and over the, over the years when we have had like what we've called believing and belonging in our church, which was like a, 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 a sort of signing of a sheet to say, listen, I believe in the vision of values of this church and I want to belong to this body of Christ. And then that meant that people could serve and stuff like that. Well, that was really, really helpful. We felt at times it created a certain standard that people had to live up to before they felt like they could belong. So they felt slightly on the outside. And uh, we came to realize... Um, that people who have prayed the prayer, or people who have asked Jesus in their life, or even people that haven't quite yet, but have started to find home here, are so broken at times, and their situations and circumstances are so broken, that they simply expect everyone to do all the things that every good Christian should do by next Sunday to get in. That that's not really the way of Jesus, and it's unrealistic. And the journey towards wholeness and towards healing is a long and patient journey that we just have to get into the mess of life with and try and work towards the redemptive purposes of Jesus to become more like him. And so, <clears throat> while there's many of people on that journey, often we, uh, when we start that journey, because some of us, those of us who've been brought up in maybe more Christian kind of background homes, that we have all the language, don't we? <laughs> we have all the language that we need to get us through. But a lot of people that haven't been brought up that way, they don't have that language, you know. And sometimes that language can still feel slightly offensive to you. Or the lifestyle choices or all of those things. And while we want to help those people in those areas, we really want to create a place where people can journey towards wholeness. And we don't want them to feel like they're not part of it until they get all of that sorted. Does that make sense? And sometimes the sort of believing and belonging kind of thing sounds like, well, you can belong after you believe everything that we do. And um, you've maybe heard it talked about before, but we really think that Jesus actually probably did it the other way around. Yeah. He made people belong. He made them feel a sense of home, a sense of belonging, before they actually believed what he believed. If you want an example, Zacchaeus is a really good one. Jesus said, I'm going to your house for dinner. He invited himself to his house for tea, made him feel a sense of belonging. And it was in that time, we don't really read of Zacchaeus, Jesus leading Zacchaeus through the sinner's prayer or anything like that. But what we do read about, or what is certainly implied, is that in and through the presence of Jesus himself in that house, even somebody, somebody pecking him out of the crowd and bringing him down the tree and saying, I want to go to your house, that something happens in Zacchaeus' heart 
that changes his trajectory of life. And repentance comes and he wants to pay everyone back. And so at this level, what I'm talking about is we're not necessarily talking about membership as we understand it. We're talking about family and we're talking about belonging and we're talking about creating that culture around us. And so we want a church where everyone feels welcome, where anyone in anything can probably happen. Is that all right? Are you up for that? Anyone is welcome. Anything can happen. We want people to feel like they can come home, and therefore we want a high, high culture of warmth, embrace, and invitation as people enter our culture. Um, and that might even mean that um, wherever people are in that journey, and even maybe for some people who haven't necessarily started that journey just yet but are curious and want to be around us, we'd even love to create opportunities for them to serve in some areas. Now, obviously, if they're like... Um, you know, they might not necessarily be leading worship or something like that if they don't know Jesus just yet, right? Um, but we want to create places where people feel like they can belong. And uh, in saying that, we do want there to be certain standards. And so just very practically, just so you know, as people maybe want to get involved in church life, we'd love them to meet our team leaders of the different areas of service within our church. We'd love them to spell out some of their expectations and commitments Right, that come with serving. I'm not going to go through them, but just so you know, we have a, a expectation kind of thing just there that you know each of our team leaders can have, and they can speak to the people that serve on their teams in order to help them understand what those expectations are. But we want people to feel a level of responsibility towards what they're called to do, and in, in itself, that is discipleship. In and of itself, that's moving people towards more of the humanity that Jesus has for them. And so in summary, we want to create a place of ridiculous levels of grace because we think that Jesus did. And so one way you could say we want to lower the bar, right? We want to put the cookies right on the bottom shelf, if that's the way to put it, right? We want to lower the bar for what it feels like to belong to this church. All right? With me? Secondly, though, the second thing I want to communicate when it comes to membership. While Jesus was um, doing everything I just described, had grace for everyone, we also realized the cost of discipleship was very clear with Jesus. And so in one way where we're lowering and want the bar to be really low in terms of what it feels to be long, we feel actually the Holy Spirit challenging us to raise the bar if that's the way to put it, for what it means to actually follow Jesus. Remember when Jesus had all the crowds following him? He had this radical level of grace. Anybody could follow him around. People were loving his miracles. People were loving the provision that he was given. And then Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you've got to eat my body and drink my flesh. Hard, like emotive words. And people started to leave. And then Jesus looked around, and you get, this, you get the impression there wasn't that many left by the disciples. And Jesus said, what about you guys? Do you guys want to go as well? And Peter said, no, but you have the words of eternal life. And so Jesus' call was not to join a club or even a church. Jesus' call was to lay down your whole life. And this is where the idea of membership in the local church has got really diluted. 
And we feel as we go forward, it's really important as a manual for us to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus and the cost of discipleship, what that really means. And so when it comes to joining a manual, we would love you to feel like you're not so much joining even just a church in the same way that you would join a club. You pay your dues and you get something out of it because you pay in it. That, that's membership in the worldly understanding of things. But we'd rather encourage you as a community together to commit our lives wholeheartedly to surrender to Jesus Christ. And we think that has two elements. Uh, the cross itself has two elements. When it comes to committing ourselves to wholehearted surrender to Jesus, the, the vertical part of the cross speaks to us and reminds us of our wholehearted devotion to God, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the horizontal element of the cross reminds us of our love for one another. In this, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so as we surrender to Jesus together, we want to commit to one another. And what we would call this, and what we think the Bible calls this, is a covenanting community. And you're going to hear us talk about that phrase a little bit more. And I want to explain that because I know sometimes Bible terms feel like a little bit tricky to understand. But we feel like what Jesus is calling us to, and if we're going to get really properly biblical about the idea of membership, it's moving towards this idea of a covenanting community where we talk about a one-mindedness. I don't know if you remember that word that we talked about in the book of Acts, the koinonia of the early church was the one-mindedness, the fellowship of the early church. And we see this played out in Acts chapter 2, a community that was centered on the sacrifice of Jesus and walking in his ways. And so God, we believe, calls us when we we become part of, when we start to follow Jesus and we start to become part of his church, we feel God calls us to this level of commitment. Why does God call us to this depth of community? Why does God want something so deep? It's really important to get this, right? Because God is this deep. Because God is this kind of community. Because God in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is a relationship of deep, 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 mysterious oneness and mystery. Three distinct personalities of the Godhead so closely in love with one another, if you like, that they are one. Always honoring, mutual sharing and submission, preferring one another, honoring one another. We see this, particularly through the New Testament, and it's the most beautiful thing. And the incredible truth of that, we could just marvel at God being like that to start with, and it would be like, wow, it's not the most beautiful thing. Like, just pure love, honoring, preferring, mutual submission, sharing. But the incredible truth about this is that God, not only in himself, is like that, but because he's like that, he can't keep it to himself, and he includes and invites humanity into that. And so what Jesus gives us as he walks around the earth is the, is the expression of this. And basically, Jesus' whole life is an invitation in to the love of the Trinity. That's why he came, to invite us into such. And so this is the depth of community that Jesus wants us to enjoy in him. If, if you need a wee bit more proof, look, at this is Jesus praying in John chapter 17 before he goes to the cross. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you're in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. It starts to get almost confusing. The language is so intimate, isn't it? May I, I'm in you, you're in me, so they may be in us, so that the world would believe that you've sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you give me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that we, they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even as I have loved you. It's amazing, amazing that Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he's crying out to the Father, let them be one in the same way we are one, the way you're in me, Father, and the way I'm in you, let that love be in them and them in us. Right? So God calls us to this wonderful level of depth, uh, of depth of community. And Jesus didn't just pray this, he lived it. He walked around in partnership with the Father, in constant relationship with the Father, and constantly trying to invite us in. Can you imagine when Peter and James and John were up that mountain, uh, transfiguration, and they hear the voice of the Father speaking over the Son, and for the rest of their lives, how they realized that Jesus was inviting them into this dialogue. It's, it's a stunning, stunning truth. Can you imagine when Jesus was baptized and he comes out of the water and the Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove and the Father speaks that in that moment all of humanity is being invited into the depth of relationship that the Trinity enjoy. It's unbelievable. But this is the kind of community that God is calling us to. So the fact that you can just I've seen this with lots of grace, right? But the fact that we can just like kind of wake up on a Sunday morning and choose where to go like we would if we were going to the cinema is, is a deeply foreign thought when it comes to biblical understanding of community, right? And so we, we really, we really want to hone in on this a little bit more. So when we're born again by the Spirit, He comes and pours into us the Father-Son kind of love. The love that the Father and the Son have, the Holy Spirit starts to pour that into our lives at conversion. And because we are in him and he is in us, then we become one as one another. Because Christ is in all of us. That's where the biggest argument for the church is our love for one another. That's clearly expressed in and through the Trinity. I love this from Francis Chaffer. That's why he says, Christian community is the final apologetic. It's the main argument for how we look like Jesus. And so as the New Testament goes on, and we see the establishment of the church, Jesus has shown this. As, as the New Testament goes on, and you read Paul's epistles, as the church continues to expand, and as it continues to establish, and we see these fledgling little churches planted all over the Mediterranean, right? Uh, Paul is a pains to stress that this sacrificial love, this kind of love has to be at the center of them if they're going to represent the, the master of who they're following. And so he's saying things like, love one another, prefer one another, maintain the bond of unity, maintain the bond of peace, outdo one another in showing honor, bear one another's burdens, lift each other. When you're, when you're, when you're walking through difficult times, bear one another's burdens. Some of you pick each other up and travel through those difficult times together and open up your heart to others to allow them to do that for you. And then when they're going through a difficult time, pick them up, piggyback them for a while, take them with you. This is the kind of community that Paul is a pains to stress. This is the primary expression of the love of God and the witness of the gospel to a world that's lost. It's how we love one another, how we contribute in love to the body of Christ. And, and, and Paul... <clears throat> is saying to the early church, unless you do this, you are just a clanging symbol. Unless we have this, unless we have this sacrificial love, you're just a... You, like, I used to play the drums when I was younger and I liked them, but there's like a clanging symbol. It's an awful noise, isn't it? Unless it's like dumb... Pro it's like an awful noise. And unless we have this, we're, we're, we don't have an awful lot to contribute to the world as a church because this is the thing that sets us apart. We are a fellowship of difference. 
fellowship of difference, one in Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We all are different, you'll be glad to hear, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. And so the language that Paul uses is really a mode of organic metaphors, pictures, a bride, a, a body, the language of building. These are all metaphors for the church. And they're all kind of quite deep things because he's wanting them to understand that when we talk about membership, we're talking about covenanting community. And this is how the church is formed, in and through covenantal love. You can't really understand the Bible without understanding covenant. And you can't really understand the beauty of what it is to be part of the local church without understanding covenantal love. Let me just say a few things about this before I finish. God calls us to covenant with himself. God makes covenant with us. Every time you see a rainbow, you remember that God made covenant with humanity. And the idea of covenant is um, basically saying everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. I will lay down my life for your destiny to be fulfilled. That's the essence of covenant. I will give up of me in order for you to become all that you were created to be. It's not a contract. It doesn't have an end date. It's deep, deep commitment and love. Marriage, I suppose, is one way that we see a window of this into the heart of God. The deep mystery of oneness when we make vows, we give ourselves to the other, recognize that we can only be truly completed when we lay our lives down for the other person. It's the opposite of consumer-driven, product-orientated cultures that we live in that fulfill us simply on what we really want until the next good thing comes out. Covenant is the opposite to that. And covenantal love is the foundation of the church because Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone, he lived and embodied this kind of life, right? And so right at the, right at the cornerstone of the church is covenantal, covenantal love. And it's not just like the cornerstone that everything else works through. It's actually the glue that knits the whole thing together. And, um, and so when Paul is chatting about this to the church and writing to them, he's really saying the love that, the, the love that birthed you, the love that birthed you is the love that binds you. Right, just think about that for a moment. I came up with that myself this morning. I thought it was good, right? The love, the love that births you is the love that binds you. So, so we kind of know that the love of Jesus, the sacrificial love of Jesus that went to the cross is the love that birthed us. Most of us know that. But then we kind of come to church and we think, mm, we'll work out if, if, they're, if they're nice enough. And, you know, we, we kind of re resort to like what we get out of it a little bit. And as opposed to like realizing that if this local church is really going to embody Jesus, then we have to love like the love that birthed us. It's the love that birthed us is the love that's going to bind us to become the people that God wants us to be. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you can never get out of, right? In the sense of you can never go to another church, right? You can you totally can. And if you want to, we would love to pray for you and bless you because love and sacrificial love doesn't bind. The world binds. The devil binds. Love frees. Sacrificial love frees. And so if you feel for any reason God calling you to go somewhere else, we'd love to pray for you, bless you, release you to become, go and be all that God created you to be. Because when the Bible talks about members in the earth, and when it's not talking about it's not talking about members in the way that we understand membership. It's more in the context of a body, members of a body. But like, thank God, I have never had one part of my body ripped 
out of the rest of it. But, but that's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about membership in the body of Christ. We're talking about a knitting of hearts, not the joining of a club. Right? We're talking about the knitting of hearts and spirits. And, um, and so when, when people like Wayne and Sue go off to, go off to um, Spain, you feel it, don't you? You feel it. Like I've only got to know them over the last two years. But you feel it because, you know, and even though you're releasing them into the things of God, but it should feel like that. Like it'd be, it'd be worse if you like didn't didn't miss them and like you never thought about them. you know what I mean? but because they're, they're they're members of the body, yeah? and that's the way we want to understand and think about one another. And but and for all of that, just as a hand over to Chris in two minutes, for, for all of that, right? The reality is, hopefully, hopefully, I painted a picture of the depth of what m- m- true membership in the local church looks like, right? But the reality is, we're weak, aren't we? And as great as it sounds. We don't always live up to that. I don't, certainly. And so we need reminded of it. It's like those vows that you say on, on, the, on your wedding day, they, they sound amazing and they are amazing. But like, it's, it's, you know, you give yourself a few days and you know you're trying to pull your socks up to meet them, to live up to them, and you need some reminders. And so what sometimes you have to do in any relationship, particularly in marriage, is you need to set some kind of you know, expectations because the bar is pretty high in sickness and in health till death do you part, lay down your life, you know give of yourself you know when you're saying them up there in the back of your heads going by the grace of God just help me to get through and make sure I can do these a bit yeah and so so what, what we need is you need a kind of another level of conversation don't you at times to say right if this is going to work you know you're going to kind of need to do that and I'm going to need to do that and I'm going to need to understand this about you and you, know, you need to kind of set some other things in place to help you move towards this great ideal that's been painted and that you've committed your life to and you've put your heart into. And so I suppose when it comes to following Jesus and all of life, these six practices that we're going to teach over the next few while, we feel like these are things that remind us of the kind of life that we, in a sense, to use a worldly phrase, signed up to when we give our lives to Jesus. Right? And, uh, and so we want to encourage you to think that way. And... That's why we're going to teach in these things, and that's why we want to hold these things as conversation starters for how we become more like Jesus. And so love, because love looks like something. It's not just this wafty kind of like nice thing that makes us feel better. Love actually, in the, it looks like something. It's a rugged commitment to a life of sacrifice. And so the first thing I'd encourage you towards this year is wholehearted devotion. Be... Is, Josh getting baptized. But that's, that's what it is. Wholehearted devotion. First and foremost, I want to encourage you, when I talk about being all in, be all in. I think that's more because the water was cold. Maybe uh, as, as much as Joshua's love for Jesus. <laughs> but, um, but that's what it is. It's young people, old people saying, when I got baptized, I was saying I am all in with Jesus. I am dying to my old life so that I can fully live in the resurrection power of Jesus. So when it comes to All In Sunday, first and foremost, with all that being said, we want to encourage you to wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Now, there's a few other things we'd love to call us to, uh, ourselves to, because we believe that those are things that mark the community of Christ. So Chris, do you want to come and um, take us on a little bit from this? All right, thank you. 
Okay, so um, I'm going to only be up for a few seconds here as we're journeying through some of this stuff. But as we are being intentional about trying to work out what it looks like to look like Jesus, uh, and we can come to church on a Sunday, but what we do during the week and how we share our lives with each other becomes a really important key part to that. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he, he drew people around himself and he had groups of people around himself. He had... Um, the three and he had the twelve and he did life with them and he taught them how to how to do life with each other and then when he died and rose again when he ascended to heaven and he left them and said right I want you to do church now together they started to replicate what he had taught them which was that we gather together in big groups but we gather together in small groups too because that's where real life transformation happens so Stephen's going to come up for a couple of minutes and just tell us a little bit more about uh, our life group structure yeah so anybody who's maybe been involved with um Emmanuel Lurgan in the past. Hey, Tristan's just giving me a big wave there. Um, anybody who's involved with Emmanuel Lurgan in the past has maybe been familiar with the life groups um, before is how they run. But what we want to launch, I suppose, officially is we'd love everybody to be part of life groups. As, as um, Chris was saying, you know, Jesus had the 12 around him and he also had the three. So there was those intimate moments where um, Jesus was doing life together. And there's a, there's a fantastic verse, I'm not sure the reference of it, but Jesus took the, the disciples aside and told them things pertaining to the kingdom. And it was one of those um, times in the Bible, just, I'd, I'd love to have been there, just to heard what Jesus was saying ultimately to the, to the disciples. And that's, but that's the type of intimacy we want to create in the body of, of Christ and in this church. And I really feel that life groups will carry the heartbeat of the church as well so while the bigger gathering is on the Sunday really how we journey through that and how we even journey through our own personal ups and downs and, and struggles there's times that we just need people around us you know when we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and he took Peter James and John when he really needed people to pray I they fell asleep so hopefully if you're in a life group and you're going through stuff you know you don't want people to go and fall asleep on you but um we did launch life groups earlier on in the year, just th took our leadership council through the format of it, um, just to do like a, a soft start with it. So if you weren't in a life group, don't, it's nothing personal. We just sort of wanted to get it going, feel it we're, we're carrying it right, we're, we're, it was going the way we wanted it to go. So, But now as we open it up to the rest of the church, it is our desire to see everyone in a life group. Life is also very busy for a lot of people. Um, generally, we try to meet maybe once if, once a fortnight, once a week if it suits. There may be some people who get together anyway in, in twos, threes, or fours, um, you know, to get together as friends, to pray, whatever, which is fine. Um, but if you want to be in a life group as part of the church, come to the back and, and speak to me, and we'll take down your name and your number, and we'll just see about, about forming that, getting some more um, life groups up and running, just so that we can uh, just be together as a, as a church more through the week, as opposed to just on a, a Sunday morning. So ideally, we'll probably like to get groups of maybe three, fours, and fives. Um, there might be some circumstances or cases where a, a larger group than that is maybe uh, just works a bit better, but... Um, if you do want to be part of that, if you feel you have the time to be part of that or you want to make space in your week to be part of that, please come and get a chat with me down at the back. All right. Do you want to add anything about that, Chris? 
No, it's brilliant. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, so next thing I uh, just want to let you know about is that we um, have a little application called Church Suite. It's where we hold a lot of your, your details, and then that's from the place from which we send out our weekly email. So if your details aren't on uh, Church Suite, if you don't get the weekly email and you want to get the weekly email, um, come and, and let us know afterwards. But it just gives us a, a good idea of, of who's in church, who's connected with us, um, and uh, it gives us the ability to kind of look after people better. So um, if you're not currently on that, come and see me afterwards. And, and there's the kind of details. that we. The, oh, that's actually the the data collection form for um, kids' ministry as well. Okay, so uh, the next thing I just want to talk about briefly is, is prayer. Prayer is one of our core things in church, and we just wanted to make you aware again of, of the rhythms of prayer that we have here in Emmanuel. So every other week, we meet together in corporate prayer. So that's uh, 7.45, coffee, start at 8, and um, once a month it's going to be here. And once a month, it will be in Lurgan. So there's no corporate prayer this Wednesday, because it's, it's the week off. And next Wednesday, it'll be here at 7.45. Uh, and it's great when we come together, uh, particularly when Emmanuel, Lurgan, and Portadown come together to pray together. We really feel that God does something significant in those moments. So please put that kind of into your mind, into your diary, as it were. Um, and there's the next two dates. And then also, if you do like praying on a regular basis, we don't always have the ability to have a prayer room here, but there's a prayer room in Portadown, the Portadown House of Prayer, um, which is above Chimes Coffee Shop. So prayer and coffee in the same location. You can't get better than that because it'll, at the very least it'll keep you awake. Um, so it's slightly less than seven to seven now, is it? Till six, yes. Uh huh. I prefer seven to seven because it's kind of just more symmetrical in that regard. But it's only until six, and I can't change that. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is giving. So. Uh, as a church, what we do and how, how we do things costs money. Um, and, and, but giving is not just about, here, costs us a load of money to do stuff. We need to give. Giving is actually a deep biblical principle where we give in response to what God has given us because we believe that everything that we have is a gift from God in the first place. And that God calls us to take the first fruits of what we have received from him and to give back to him as an act of worship. And that's really what giving is all about. And when we miss that, we end up in some kind of transactional thing where it's like God's given us all this stuff and we owe him. Um, uh, but actually, when, when our hearts are captured by the, the generosity of God, generosity actually grows in us and we will give out uh, from that place, which is really important. But just some practical things. You can give um, in cash through uh, the offering basket every week, but if you are a taxpayer, you can give using a gift aid envelope, and that enables us to claim 25p back in every pound um, from your giving if you want us to do that. Um, we have gift aid numbers, so when you give for the first time and you fill out the envelope, somebody will be in contact with you to give you a number, so the next time you give, you just need to write that number down on the envelope. You didn't need to fill out all the details. Um, and you can give by standing order, and that's really helpful for you. It's also really helpful for us in terms of things like budgeting, and we have a management team who uh, help to manage and coordinate our finances. Our finances are a matter of public record because um, we're a charity limited by guarantee. 
if you have any questions about finances at any stage and you are a regular giver um, or you're thinking about giving regularly, you can come and ask us about all that kind of stuff. Um, so there, there's what it looks like when you give £20. If you um, use Gift Aid Scheme, it enables us, to, or really it increases your giving by an extra £5. When you think about it that way, it's significant. Um, okay, so I want to talk about serving in church, and just as I'm doing that, a couple of our ushers are going to give, I um, don't want to waste paper, so there's probably one of these per two people, but it's a little sheet that you can fill out if you want to start serving, um, or you want to increase your serving in church, you can fill that out, but it'll all become clear in a little minute, but the sheet will be going around, and there are pens in the envelopes on the backs of your chairs. So as a church, we have lots of fantastic things happening, and it takes lots of you to make those things happen. And so this is not just about we need, we need, we need. When God touches our hearts and moves in our lives, and we are released into what God has called us to do, something happens, and we want to serve. And we find fulfillment in serving because we were designed to do that we were designed to be at work and to do things. And many of you have gifts and skills and abilities. And we come together and we take our desire. We take what needs to be done. And we take this fact that we're serving and worshipping God through our service. And we get involved in the life of church. And so we would like to invite you and be very specific about some things around that. So first of all, in Kingdom Kids, which is our primary one to primary seven, we need six extra people to help so if you would like to help, um, now normally that's one in four, but you can do slightly less than one in four. Um, there are a few spaces for one in eight weeks, but um, to serve in our kids' ministry, there will be training around that, plus you need to do your access and I child protection training, and you need references just because you're working with kids. But um, if you want to find out more about that, fill out the sheet, and we can talk you through all of that. Second in uh, Emmanuel Youth, again it's a one in uh, four commitments, it's years eight to ten, there's some paperwork to be done but we need um, a minimum of three more leaders to make that happen. So if you want to get involved in youth, you'd like to find out more, then tick the little box, fill your name in and let us know about that. Um, we also have an opportunity outside of Sundays to work uh, with Wilson uh, Beer in Killicomain uh, Secondary School. And that is really, as Wilson was saying last week, there's about 80 kids in Killicomain who have kind of opted out to normal pastoral classes where a minister comes in. And so the school have to provide an alternative. And so they're delivering a lot of kind of uh, team building and leadership kind of courses and things like that to these young people. It's a fantastic opportunity to connect with them and share the values of the kingdom in a language and in a way that those kids will understand. So Wilson needs um, three people, if possible, to help out with that. And that's weekly on Friday mornings from 9 until 10. Hospitality and welcome, we could do with some more volunteers in, in that area. So we do have quite a few, but they would like to try and sort of um, reduce the number of weeks that people have to volunteer so they can volunteer in other areas as well. Um, so we're looking for about four people to help out with that, and Keith and Sharon McCollum coordinate that. 
Um, setup and shooting, we need a couple of people. Again, that's a one and four. That's all the practical stuff around setting up the building, stewarding and looking after everyone in the church. Jason needs a couple of people to help out with that. Um, sound and visuals, so we need at least one person extra to help with visuals. If you know how to use a mouse and click a few buttons, that's a good start. And we'll do some training too. And it's not to actually say that it's not a complicated thing. But let me tell you. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because you couldn't actually have a more highly trained person than the person who's currently on visuals um, when it comes to computers, but uh, and sound as well. So if uh, you want to get involved in either of those two things, then we'd love to stick your name down for that, and training will be provided. Um, and uh, so. <laughs> That's brilliant. So please take those sheets that are on, uh, have been passed around. If you want to serve in one of those areas, just take it, um, leave it. Uh, there'll be a basket at the back. You can leave those in later on, and then somebody who is coordinating that will be in touch with you. So here's some exciting news, and that is that you know we've been here for nearly two years. It'll be two years in December. And it, it, it kind of, in some ways, is a temporary solution, but temporary as we've been here nearly two years. So just to let you know, we know that we have got a minimum of six to eight more months in, in this building location. Uh, and what we want to do is to make room for more people. And we have the opportunity to uh, create some additional space. And so what we will be doing is taking over the Faith Jewelers building, which is next door. The child in the background doesn't come with the, the unit, which is good to know. Um, it might look like a bit of a, of a tip, um, but actually it's in really good condition. So it's a building like literally behind this wall here. And uh, we have uh, the option to take that over from actually uh, next week so that we can have additional space. And the reason for taking that additional space is that Next door will give us a dedicated uh, welcome area for tea and coffee, a new coffee serving hatch, additional toilets. <laughs> for that reason alone, we'll be like, yes, just, just take it. Um, additional exit to kids' ministry building, so rather than sort of be at the back of this building, you'll be able to go through the other doors and, and through the, the alleyway to the next building. A space for parents with babies. We're very aware that if you do have a young child or a baby, that at times parents are out in the mall, but we'd love for them to have a better place. And now we have the option, we want to make that a key priority, so there will be uh, audio, uh, uh, at least audio, maybe audio and video through to that next room, next door for that purpose. And a space for classes and activities during the week as well. So um, it's quite a big unit there. What that also means is that this space will start to change very soon. How that's going to change is there'll be a new layout to accommodate up to 250 people. At the minute, we have to have space for tea and coffee at the back and lots of other things. It limits us, but we'll be flipping the, the layout around. Okay, so some of you that are, like things to be the same, I'm just warning you ahead of time, it's not going to be the same in a few weeks' time. We'll be flipping it around so the stage will actually be current where tea and coffee is now, and there'll be a, a different layout and format. But we'll be able to seat this unit right back because we'll have our tea, coffee, welcome area in next door, and you'll come through from that building into here on a Sunday morning. 
and so it gives us an large space for worship bands, kind of stage area, increased space for prayer ministry, but also a quiet environment after services for ministry time, so that afterwards with all the noise of people chatting and stuff like that, we still have that space to, to do prayer ministry. And so, um, also what's coming up is a new heating system for all the units. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to decorate some of the facilities. We're going to increase the quality of all of our environments because we want this to be a good place to come to. We want this to be a welcoming place. And when there are no toilets and no heat, that's not a very good welcome. Okay, and we've done really well in the last couple of years to be here, but we want to increase the quality and standard of this, of these facilities, but it's not so that, that things are cosy for us. The purpose of doing this is to welcome people in who don't have a church home or who don't know Jesus, to bring them in for them to feel welcome and accepted and for them to feel like, yes, this is the kind of place that I can build covenant community and build relationship in. And so everything that we do in regard to this is for that purpose, to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And some of those things are very practical that need to happen around that. So uh, all of our facilities that we use, we are going to raise the quality and standard of for that reason. So we need help, lots of help. Lots of practical things to do over the next number of weeks to make all of that happen. So please come and see me afterwards. I know when we first started out, we got loads of volunteers because it was all new and exciting. It's not as new now, and it's maybe not as exciting, but we still need the same level of commitment and help. And so some of that would be very practical, painting, um, doing a wee bit of building work here and there. We'd love for you to get involved in that. We'll probably do a couple of evenings and some Saturdays to make some of that stuff happen. But during the week too, we, we want to do bits and pieces so that this is done reasonably quickly. But even practical things like steam cleaning all the chairs and, and stuff like that will be on the radar over the next wee while. Oh yes, and we need some Connect Cafe uh, volunteers if you would like to do that on Friday mornings. I put a question mark, I don't have a specific number, but basically if you would like to do that, you're very welcome to do that. Come and see me and have a chat about that. There we go. Thanks Chris. Give Chris a round of applause. <clears throat> Thank you Chris. You got so excited about toilets and heating. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, that's it. It is as the Lord is just about is moving. Um, so we'd love you to um, take all that into consideration. Um, we'd love you to, um, you know, we don't want people to be so busy in church life that they can't be who God has called them to be in the workplace and more in their communities and amongst their neighbours and all of that. And saying that, if we want to build a city on a hill, it does need everyone to play their part in a little bit, you know. So we'd love you to think about where you can put your shoulder to the wheel to really, really help. We've tried to be as practical as possible to tell you where we need some of that help. Can, can I encourage you, in specifically, if you feel the Lord speaking to you about kids, we could really do with some help you know, with people that could be committed to our kids' work. Debbie and a couple of kind of key volunteers are really carrying quite a lot. Uh, it means that not everybody can get in as much here on the Sunday. So if you could help in any way, uh, you feel like speaking to you about that, you could help just by one and four. Um, we'd really, really appreciate that. Um, 
before we take communion, um, these are all ways. So love looks like something. Covenantal love looks like something. And in the local church, it looks like a life of, it looks like, first of all, giving our lives. It looks like serving. It looks like prayer. It looks like giving. These are, these are biblical things. I, I just want to finish off um, just by saying, you know, it also looks like in the local church, it looks like the leaders looking like Jesus as much as they can and, and serving. And just a, a little bit, just a definition that I think hopefully helps you this morning. As we speak about covenant, it's really important for us that you guys understand how serious as leaders we want to take the leadership of this house. We want to do that in the fear of the Lord and we want to do it in the way of Jesus. And we understand that leadership that Jesus shows us is very different to the way leadership in the world works. It's the way of the servant and it's the way of leading down our lives. Good leaders do lead people towards something. There is a sense of vision and direction and Jesus did that. But ultimately they do it in the way of sacrificial love. And we really want to try and do that and be that. In saying that, though, it's really important to say something else, which is obvious. We are not Jesus. Right? We're doing our best to be like him, but we're not Jesus. And I'm saying that for two reasons. The first one, very simply, is we're going to get it wrong. Uh, we're not going to get it all right. We're going to make mistakes. And there's even going to be some days that we might not even look as much like Jesus like we should. And so with that in mind, please have grace for us. Please forgive us. And more than anything, please pray for us. Yeah. The second reason I'm saying that is because Jesus was perfect <laughs> in all of the gifts and graces. right? And so when it comes to, um, I don't have time to teach on this right now, but just to say when it comes to the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, Jesus was all of them. And they are the extension of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus was very clever in that he didn't give one person all of them. He dispersed them through his body. So he gives some apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds. And so we hope that um, we can lead in a way that affirms the New Testament, that you can see a blend of all of these graces, not just in the life of the leaders, by the way, but in the life of the whole body, because they're for the body. And so with that in mind, there is a, a kind of mix of gifts. And, uh, and I just want to say that because I just think it brings a little bit of definition and it keeps our expectations a little bit clearer. And I also just, I just want to bring a wee bit of affirmation to this as well. Pastorally, I think you know, we've got strong graces in our eldership. We all have the heart of a shepherd because every elder or leader should. Um, but in particular, you know, Debbie and Stephen and Bruna really carry a heart for this body. They want people to be... So do Chris and I, by the way. I mean, just really, I just really want to affirm that like, front end, kind of a lot of strong pastoral grace, he heavily kind of primary graces of pastor we really see in their lives. And so a lot of the front end of the pastoral work will be expressed through them. They want people to feel cared for, loved. They want people to feel like they're seen and known and valued. And uh, I really, really appreciate that grace. And we can see that in the way that even... You know, I know, um, for example, I think, you know, I think I can say this with, with you know, with, with authority that, you know, you know, for example, Debbie and Bruna feel that God's called them to the wider body. They would like to give more time to the water, wider body, but we see their pastoral graces at the moment in the way that they've picked up stuff for crash and kids and wanted to make sure that the family is well cared for because that's the way the pastor thinks, right? That there's flourishing, healthy dynamics at play. And, um, and so we just want to affirm that and recognize that. And so you know that when they represent the leadership, they're doing it with, because we recognize that gift and grace on their lives. Um.
and lots of experience within that. And along the same lines, you've heard Stephen's heart this morning for to see this church shepherded well and growing up into health and caring for many of you. Um, and I know that's uh, Stephen Ambrose's heart for a long time is to see people cared for, but they like nothing more when people want to talk about the Lord. And so that's why Stephen has taken on quite a lead role on trying to help develop smaller groups where people can be integrated into small groups where healthy conversation can happen. Okay? You know, and Chris, um, we see someone who alongside Debbie has led church for many years. He can do that alongside his wife really well and uh, has done it well. Part of our journey of coming together and uh, watching the graces develop is recognizing other key graces in Chris's life, which have kind of come to the fore more and more. We see a strong prophetic grace that through the Tabar Network is being raised up, we believe, by the Lord at a more national level. We see a grace for thinking about the city strategically across that. And so uh, we want to create space for those graces as well to flourish. Because when all of these graces flourish, we all flourish. And uh, we just want you to know that and how we see some more of his time being invested in that along the way as well. And then there's, there's Rachel and I, and I think it's just really, really important for you to hear this too. We've been on a journey together <clears throat> for uh, a number of years since we got married um, to work out you know, how God wants to use us. Uh, we both are passionate to see God's kingdom come in the nation. Um, uh, um, we are one, very much one, but we have come to realize that we actually express our vocations and our worship to God through our vocations in uh, different ways. Rachel passionately loves dentistry. I don't like teeth, right? Um, but she, she, she loves dentistry. She loves honoring God when she's fixing people's teeth, when she's making people's smile better. And she loves increasing their confidence in their life when they can smile better and they're more confident in their teeth and alleviating people from pain. She gets a kick out of people phoning her with, uh, don't, don't all do this this afternoon or anything, but um, she, gets, she, she enjoys that. And God has placed an ambition in her heart to, so she, she runs a dental practice. There's over 3,000 clients. That's quite a bit more than this church. And so in some ways her church, where she wants to reach, where she wants to bring her influence, is in that way. And so her day-to-day involvement in the life of Emmanuel, I think you know this anyway, but I just want to say that, is, is, um, is much less than the rest of us on the leadership team. And we want to say that we believe that's okay. And the reason we want to say it's okay is because some of you are called to fulfill your vocation for God in the workplace, right? Um, okay? You're called to live out Jesus there. And we'd love you to serve like Rachel does in the heart of the local body and in the heart of the local church. But we want to say that so you know how, um, first of all, that at times why there's maybe less visible and less activity than the rest of us, but also more importantly so that you can understand how we honor and gifts and graces, and we don't want to fall into these roles where we expect things of people just because you've got a title, but rather help people understand their unique destiny for where God has called them to be. Yeah, And how we realize that in marriage, we are one. We are one. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do everything together if God hasn't called you to do that particular thing. But that I am certainly who I am because of who she is in me. Yeah, and that's how we complete one another. And so I just really want to say that, that as we kind of develop 
as a church and how we grow as a church, that there's a blend of different graces. I certainly feel this is my home church. I feel it's going to be my home church. I feel that God has called us to more things in the future in terms of like church planting and we want to see a reproduction of church, which many of you will get caught up in. And so we need everybody functioning and developing in the gifts and graces. But I want to say that I really want my kids to grow up here want my kids to be discipled in this church. feel an absolute privilege and joy to be called to this body of people and to covenant together with you to see God's kingdom come and to release one another into all that God has for us as the future grows and as develops. And so in all of this, Paul said to the church as we finish, maybe the worship team will come, we're just going to finish with one song and take communion. In all of this, what Paul said to the church, in Corinth, I think it was, he said, we have opened wide our hearts to you. Now you open wide your hearts to us also. And so what we would love is, as we finish here and as we take communion, to commit ourselves, to commit ourselves to opening wide our hearts one to another, in and under and through the sacrificial love of Jesus, in order to become a covenant community that follows the ways of Jesus, that takes seriously the high cost of discipleship and creates a home of radical grace where everyone is welcome. And over the next number of Sundays, we're going to be fleshing that out as we teach this series. So let's stand together, could we? Let's say this prayer. Can you flip back a wee second, Andy? Let's just say this prayer that we've been praying this week. Okay? Let's just say this together and then the band will lead us as we come to take communion. Father... Let's say it again. Oh, sorry. Let's say it together. Okay. One, two, three. Father, I receive the invitation of your son, Jesus, to come to this meal. I come in faith. I come as I am. I come through your grace. I come to remember. I remember with holy awe and a thankful heart what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for me. I come to confess. I confess my sins, my apathy, my lack of devotion, my obsession with myself. Please forgive me, Jesus. I come to receive. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your unconditional love. As I eat of this bread and drink of this cup, I receive the Father's love. I come to declare. I declare your Lordship, Jesus, and your complete victory in my life, over my family, for our church, and over our city and nation. Your cross is the source of my healing, my salvation, my righteousness, and my complete freedom. I come to declare your life-giving, resurrecting spirit is living inside me. I come to give. I come to give you my life all over again. I allow your sacrificial love to be formed in me. I come to give myself to seeking first your kingdom in the way of the cross. I come to die again that I may truly live. I love you, Jesus. Let's come to the table. Remember what Jesus has done for us.